Welcome to Living Deeply. My name is James. And I'm Lisa. Thank you for joining us tonight as we continue our conversation about this upside down world and the way to get through it. Stay with us. Hi, this is Lisa. And this is James. And we are talking about living deeply and sometimes living shallowly. So thanks for listening. And we are talking about food I do love food because it's it's deep to me and it's not deep to James <laughs> maybe no not really okay so I have to say that I like to cook and I like to feed people and it's that cooking is love food is love you know um, this evening I made a very simple meal um, was grilled cheese and apple slices but it was so good and everybody enjoyed it and that made me feel good it made everybody happy and I like that so you're not really into that experience I guess I mean okay so I like to eat but do you like it when people cook for you or does anyone ever cook for you well my grandparents cook for me Mm -hmm. um my mom she cooked hi mom because I know you're listening Mom. Um, she cooked when I was a kid, but it wasn't her like fa- it's not her favorite thing to do. Yeah, it was more of a, a, a was, duty. Yeah, yeah. She was being a good mom. She was being a good mom, right? Yeah. But I mean, if she had her way, she'd eat what she eats now, which is whatever she wants to. You know yeah. what I mean? Because she doesn't have yeah. two kids to feed. Right. Uh, but like my grandma, so my my dad's mom, um, because we would spend the weekends over there because my, my parents are divorced. Mm-hmm. And um, we would get, like, down-home southern cooking ev- oh, yeah. every meal. You know okay. what I mean? So when, like... Yeah. So, like, that's... Tell me about the dishes. All right. So my grandma I'm is, so into regional okay. cooking, by the way. So, that's, like, a passion of mine. I love learning about regional <laughs> cooking, you know. Okay, okay so... Ahead. My grandma and grandpa on my dad's side are both from Kentucky. They got married while they were down there, and then they moved up here when um, I think oh, I think it was GM, and it later turned into a company called Thompson. But my, okay. my grandpa was a factory worker. Yeah. And so was my grandma. Okay. And um, they came from Kentucky. You know, they they. My grandma grew up very poor. Her mother died at the age of seven or nine. I'm not exactly sure on that. I'm happy to be wrong. Yeah. Um, and she and her twin brother and her sister, Edna, um, who were all real close in age at the time, um, had to take over taking care of the house. So my grandma learned to cook at a very young age. And she learned to cook the things that my great-grandpa liked. Who, Which were? You know, like biscuits and gravy in the morning with bacon and eggs. Um, you know, uh, pot roast, fried chicken, uh, okra, corn. I love okra. Mashed potatoes. Like, what I kind mean, of okra? Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I couldn't. I mean, mammals made a lot of different types of okra. But 
the the fact or the point is is that like my grandma you know from I mean she's always been able to cook and she cooks so well like I literally grew up on fried pork chops fried fish um fried chicken we would do uh like turkey roasted pheasant um you know chicken hen or hen hen like little hens and yeah, yeah. Cornish, game Cornish game hen. Thank you. You can tell how much I know about food, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but like, sounds pretty good so far. Oh, it was amazing. And my grandma's really good at dessert. I can't tell. Okay, so my grandma can make peanut butter fudge like in her sleep. Like she knows mm. when it's done by how it feels when the spoon. I goes had a friend who it. could do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's when we just, were like in fifth grade. Yeah. Like it's yeah. crazy. You yeah. know what I mean? But because she, that's technically candy making, which is right. You know, right. It's, it's technical. It's, it's difficult. But there's a, a knowing. Yeah. Sense. Right. And she has it because she's such an amazing cook. But also she makes things. She she creates like all of the decorations, you know, that she doesn't buy. Um, what do you mean? Like, OK, so. She made these plate things where you take three plates and put a, and glue them together and then you glue them to a pole and then you stick it in your garden. Like dinner plates, three different you sizes, stick, three you different. Stick them in your garden? Yeah, like a like a like a like an artificial flower. Three different size dinner plates: a small one, a medium <laughs> one, and a large one. You glue them together. I promise you, she did this. She made. She was the first person, I shit you not, that ever put lights in one of those clear cubes, of glass. <laughs> I'm not nice. kidding. My grandma, my grandma was like hip to shit before she, before it actually got hip. She was doing lights in glass bottles before it was ever on Pinterest. You the know, original Martha Stewart. Like she was, like she, she did a lot of cool shit. Like my grandma's neat. Props. Uh, so, did were Sunday uh, dinners a big thing at your house? Well, it was generally Saturday and Friday, because okay. on Sunday we'd go back home to my mom. Okay. Right. Um, and you know, my mom, my mom was awesome growing up. I mean, don't get me wrong, but she just wasn't a cook like mac and cheese. I'm happy. She was probably busy. Yeah. Well, I mean, and tired. yeah. And tired. Like, or, she, you know, yeah. Well, no, like she worked two jobs to support yeah. me and my brother, like Almost. our whole lives. Like she always yeah. had two jobs. Like that yeah. woman was always working. So I have something interesting that Go. I think you will enjoy hearing. Go. Yeah. Oh, wait, hold on, wait. What I wanted to say was that, so food to me invokes like a, uh, like a sense of family. I know, and I love the love that I hear in your voice. Because like, and my, uh, and hold on, because I have to give props to my other grandma real fast. Okay. Um, it's like, she was all, She was always like the, the pot roast and the mashed, and the potatoes and the, and the carrots mm-hmm. in, a, in a crock pot for hours. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And she, yeah. she would, she makes this, uh, it's cherry delight. Have you ever ha- have you ever had that? Well, I think I have. Um, with graham crackers and then cherries and then it's got like Dream Whip and uh, it's like a it's like a fluffy cold dessert with cherries. Oh, okay. Like sort of like an ambrosia. Right. Well, kind of. She calls it a cherry crisp. Okay. And um, it's chilled and it's like so yeah like the. Comfort food. The comfort food. You know, that's, love it. that's family for me. I you love know. it. 
So, so please go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I love reading about regional food and food history and different chefs and, you know, um, all around the world. And um, one of the chefs that I have, there's a, there's a series on PBS called The Mind of a Chef. And it's fascinating to me. And one of the featured chefs is Edward Lee, who grew up in New York City, Brooklyn, I, I believe. And okay. he's a Korean American. And so he grew up learning how to cook and, you know, eating the food that his mother and grandmother made. And then he fell in love in Louisville and moved there, got married, has a family and has a restaurant there. And he's really into Southern food, but also incorporating different Korean elements. And he talks about how they're very similar, you know, like with pickles and kimchi. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting uh, sort of epiphanies that he had was he one day discovered that uh, Korea and Brooklyn and Louisville were pretty much on the same latitude. Okay. That's all I got. <laughs> so they have this, you know, similar things with the. You're like so. I mean, no, that's so, cool. Like, no, like they're on the same latitude, so they share in a way the same the same thought patterns, the same. Exactly. You know, like no, because that ties in directly with like how. Okay, so. I thought that was brilliant. I have, I'm on a tangent for just a second, if you'd let me. Imagine that. Imagine that. Please, go. Okay, so human beings are naturally telepathic. Can I just, can I just throw that out there? Oh, yeah. All right, so not only are we, you know, naturally telepathic, but we're also naturally empathic. Like, we feel the emotions of other people. Very instinctual. Very instinctual. Like, mm-hmm. it's... It's uh, it's like hardwired into us. Right, because it, we come from a communal setting, tribe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, in that, you know, it doesn't surprise me that people who are on the same... And I'm going to say it like magnetic wavelength. Because uh-huh. of Frequency, the way... Frequency, latitude. Well, yeah, because like the electromagnetic, you know, field of the planet is probably, you know, connected in that band you know what i mean like i i I feel like it circles and spirals for some reason i don't you're bringing a metaphysical viewpoint to the cooking discussion and i like it well i mean like i mean welcome to our life you know yeah like there is no there's no difference between the metaphysical and, and can i tell you that i'm not a huge fan of the word metaphysical even though i use it to explain things Right. Because it states in itself that it's beyond the physical realm. And that's not Mm -hmm. true. It's part of the physical realm because it interacts here. If there was no interaction, we wouldn't know about it. Does that make sense to you? Like, do you follow my logic on that? Say that again. Okay, so the metaphysical realm is something that's supposed to be beyond the physical. Yes. But that's not possible because it interacts with the physical world. So it's not beyond the physical world. It's connected to it. It's part of intermingled. It. Intermingled. It's it's like the way I like to describe the this like because what we're really talking about in a broader sense is the spiritual dimensions of reality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I like to describe it just behind and around. You know, it's just behind and around you. Like right. you, 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 you see it out of the corners of your eyes sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, but generally you don't, you don't pay attention to it because it's subtle. And again, you're taught not to, but yeah, so it doesn't surprise me at all that they all come up with the, with similar styles of cooking all across the planet. Okay. So I'm going to do a little experiment with you. Go ahead. Uh, Give me a memory of one of your favorite meals. One of my favorite meals. That you ever had in your life. Mm. I mean, see. Just go. Just go with me. I don't even think, like, but that's the thing, like, when you say a favorite meal. You don't have one? I don't really have one, like. Come on, man. I mean. Favorite dishes. Favorite dish? Mm-hmm. Like if I had to eat it forever? No, just... Oh, favorite dish? Dirty rice. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, where did you first have dirty rice? My mom, actually. Thank you. Or okay. maybe it was my grandma. Okay. It was one of those Love two. It. Yeah. 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 Okay. okay. So Sorry. I'm like, is, I'm like, no, I don't, no, no, I don't no, know no, where to go. Yeah. Okay. No. So, my my point is that... I once read that if you ask uh, an American, you know, tell me about your favorite meal, they will largely say, when I was at, um, you know, El Posto in San Francisco, and blah, 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 you know, or uh, Aquavit in New York, you know, whereas people around the world, and especially Italians, will say, my mother's gnocchi, or, you know, <laughs> like you said, dirty rice. Right. Right. Yeah. Which, if you want that recipe, I'll give it to you. I would love it. Because it's amazing. I would love it. I mean, it's full of sodium and butter. I'll be honest. But it's so, so good. good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah. And God bless my mother. She was a wonderful cook. And uh, she typed out all of her recipes. And I have them in a, a little binder that she put together. And I cherish it. Very nice. Yeah. But there's no recipe for dirty rice in there, so... So, you'll have it. I I look forward to adding. You'll have to double or triple the recipe with all the mouths that you have to feed. All right. Willing to do that. You'll be able to handle it. Never knowingly (laughs) under-catered, as Mandela says. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have abundance for everyone. That's so funny. Good. Yeah, no, food is good. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, like, you get a good steak in front of you, or a good pork chop, or even mm. just a good salad. I mean, with horseradish, oh, yeah. and onion, and cheese, and tomato, and cucumbers, and... I'm obsessed with this, like, chopped cob salad at first watch lately. You know, I may I'm, need to go get it tomorrow. I never ate at first watch. Oh, it's good. I never ate there. It's it's like fresh, you know, got healthy stuff on the menu. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, with that salad? Oh, yeah. I worked with a line cook um, yeah. who, who worked at First Watch. And, he well, said are you going to tell me a horror story? No, no, no. He said their food oh. was really, really good. Oh, okay. He liked working there. Say, no, oh, no. You don't even want to eat the salad. No, 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 no. 
No, I'm not. Okay, good. No. You know, I've worked in many restaurants, and I've never seen anything that has ever really constituted, you know, tampering. Horror. With some, yeah, tampering with someone's good. food. Like, people don't do that. Like, that's not a thing. Yeah, I I'm, worked in a restaurant throughout university, and yeah, like we never did anything yeah, bad. That's not a thing. Like, calm down. Like, yeah. People are so afraid to send food back to the kitchen because their steak might not be cooked right. And they're like, yeah, well, they're going to no. spit on it. And I'm like, that's do that. not going to happen. No, that's horrible. Yeah, I can't. Now, okay, so part of food, okay, yeah. is being waited on. And I'd like to touch on this for just a second, if that's okay. Is um, it being waited on or being nurtured? No, being waited on. Like when, okay. you, when you go out to eat yeah. to enjoy a nice meal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that, you know, that people don't know. Like, how much servers... Do you know how much servers make? Mm, I don't. Okay. Servers, depending on what state they're, they're in, okay? Mm-hmm. Most states, it's $2.13 an hour. Are you kidding me? I am not. I am not. Now, I am shocked. In Florida, it's four sixty-five. I'm shocked. Because Florida had a law passed that they have to pay servers, you know, something more than I'm, 213. I'm totally yeah. shocked. $2.13 an hour in most in most states. Why? Because the thought process behind that they make tips. Is that they make tips. Okay. The thing oh. the thing with that is is that the reason that the server wage is locked at where it is. It's it's not affected by minimum wage laws very specifically. I'm shocked. Because of the way that the service industry lobbied Congress during the New Deal there you under go. Roosevelt. Okay. Really? Yes. So the service that far indu- back. That far back. The service industry was terrified and this is the restaurant industry. Was terrified of um having to pay servers minimum wage by the hour. Why? Because think of think about, you know, if you have a large restaurant, you need a large amount of servers to take care of that restaurant for it to be successful, right? If you're paying them all minimum wage, that's 30 people that you're paying minimum minimum wage. The, their thought process was that they wouldn't make any money. So, um, that being said, the minimum wage laws were locked for servers at 2.13 an hour. It would take an act of Congress and an amendment to the Constitution to get this law taken out. And who would lobby for that? And who would lobby for that? Exactly. So servers, you know, what they take home at the end of the night is what you give them at the table. Well, I'm... I'm proud to say I'm a good tipper. I am too. See, I, when I even on to-go orders, like, I still tip. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because somebody had to put it together, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's yeah. it's interesting because people don't, people don't know that, but people also treat servers like that, like they don't exist or that they're not well, people. Well, that's, that's a certain I mean, type of person. That's... But it's not. I, I noticed that it's across a very broad spectrum of people. Like, I don't they, like to hear that. They don't like, they don't know how to look at somebody and tell them what they want in a respectful way. I mean, now, by and large, you know, it's not all people. But you get those people that snap their fingers in restaurants. That, no, they don't. Yes, they do. 
um, that yell well, hey is, as you're as somebody's is, walking um, by. This is one of the things I love about Europe and particularly France is that um, you know the servers, waiters, you know, are respected and it's a profession. Right, it's a profession. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it was a Yeah, two thirteen an hour, it's crazy. That's insane. Now, in cities like Seattle, Washington, they make eighteen seventy-five an hour because the cost of living in Seattle is so high. Okay, well, what about New York or L.A.? I couldn't tell you. I've never worked. Or Chicago. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Interesting. Oh, investigate that. And that's just a fun fact because that's all public knowledge. I don't know. It is public. Yeah, um, just that nobody ever looks at it. Right. Yeah, I had no clue. I would have never guessed that. Nobody really does, though. Yeah. When I was a server, I used to tell all of my tables that. (laughs) (laughs) How'd that go over? I mean, they were shocked and generally left me good tips because I told them that what I was taking home at the end of the night was what I was... Was what I made. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, I'm not shy, Lisa. Have you ever uh, Have you ever known me to be shy? No. No, I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't Can be I shy. talk about? Speaking of like talking about money. Yeah. I have a little pet peeve. When I was growing up, we we never talked about money. Okay. Okay. It wasn't like it, you know. Really, it was a very it was a very like popular subject in the households I lived in. Really? Why? Oh, like, okay, so, truth time. All I ever heard from my dad my whole life was how much I cost him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it is terrible, but it's hilarious Mm. to look back on because I'm not a materialistic person. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, money, okay, so my view on money is that that's little pieces of paper that float in and out of my life when I need them. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I I don't put a lot of stock on money. Like, that's not important to me. What's important to me is connection, you know? And, but, yeah, that was, that was my dad, wow. my whole childhood, is how much money that, that me and my brother cost him. And, you know, looking back on it, you know, I thank him for that outlook that he had because it taught me what's not important in life. You know what I mean? It's big of you to transmute that. You know, because like, every time he said that, my thought process was, yeah, I'm worth it. It's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I was was a pretty hip kid. I'll be honest. Like, I I, I dealt with some shit pretty well. Most kids would have been traumatized by that, I'm sure. I mean, there is a little trauma there. I mean, but Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a little trauma in everybody. The the, the trick is, is to transmute it into a positive outlook later in life. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is hard to do for most people. You know, you say hard, I say challenging. You know? I know. You remind me of the PR people I used to work with. I remember getting in an elevator at the end of the day, and it was like, how was your day? And I said, suck. (laughs) How was your day? It was challenging. It was challenging. Yeah. Oh, my God. That sounds better. Um, Okay. Uh, So... Yeah, I've always felt that we had so much everything, and I remember as an adult saying to my mom, "Hey, why didn't why didn't I ever have ballet lessons?" Right? <laughs> yeah. Just random question. Right. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. But, Whatever. Um, go. She said, oh, "Lisa, 
we can afford that. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? No, yeah, I had no clue. So my point is, I, if they ever struggled, which I never saw any evidence of that, okay. we never knew it, you know? Right, and right. Yeah, which I think is beautiful. So there's a, there's a real pet peeve of mine that I've noticed over the past uh, several years is when, like, I'll say to someone, oh, that's a pretty dress. And the person will respond, oh, thanks. I got it at blah, blah, blah for, you know, $2.13. And I'm like, I didn't ask you what you paid for it or, you know what I mean? Like, where you got it. So why are you telling me? What is that? Living Deeply can be found on our Facebook page at Living Life Deeply. We look forward to your comments. Like us and share. I mean, okay, so I'm kind of guilty of that. I don't like it. It's, it's like. So okay, the reason that I do it, okay, I'll be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, why do people do it? Okay, so Please. because Enlighten me. I I do it so that if you're trying to buy something that's close to that, that you don't have to spend so much money on it at another place. Okay, thank you. That's Does that make sense expl- to you? Yes, it's a great like, explanation. Case because in I was point. like, <laughs> no, I, you know, I didn't. What? I was going to be like, case in point, I bought a pair of like $39 jeans the other day for like $4 at, you know, JCPenney's. It was on the sale rack. I was like, well, here we go. And I only shopped the sale rack because I'm not going to spend 50 to $75 on a pair of jeans that aren't worth that. Does that make mm-hmm. sense to you? You know what I mean? It like, does. I just, I wonder about the element of the lack mentality surrounding that i mean it's not it's just that why would you have to pay more money for something that somebody else values because it has I a don't brand know. on if it. somebody asks me about a handbag i have i don't say thanks i got it at gucci 2500 you know what i mean <laughs> it's like i didn't ask you right no i understand where you're coming weird from to me i understand where you're coming from i got but it's you it's very prevalent it is very okay. prevalent yeah well, that's because, okay, so... Is it because everyone's in fear? Well, no, I think it's because about we... About money, I, well, the economy, and blah, blah, blah. So, can I give you the opposite side of that? Please. Because, okay, so... All right, don't be mad at me for saying this. Anybody, just listen... Are you going to assassinate no, me? No, just listen to me with an open mind, okay? What if it is people recognizing that, that the system is, is, is fake... And that the designer name for the for the for the price tag isn't really something that exists. You know what I mean? Like instead of it being a scarcity consciousness, it's more of a of a reality consciousness. Like people mm-hmm. are finally waking up to the point that, you know, like that twenty five hundred dollar Gucci bag You're being punked. Isn't worth it. Yeah, you're being punked. 
into 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 buying a bag just because it says Gucci. Now I've had this I've had this stance for a very long time. Like the the anything with a designer name on it is just um, the ability to amp up the price because they're made in the same factory, okay? That the knockoffs are made in, except for they don't take as much they don't take as much precision as the knock with the knockoffs. Right. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I mean, it's all being, it's all, it's a, it's a handbag or it's a shoe or it's a, it's a, it's a pair of pants. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Just because it says, you know, apartment nine on it doesn't mean that it's worth $99. But I, apartment nine. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a men's brand that they sell at Kohl's because I'm a, I'm a Kohl's shopper. But okay. and I own a bunch of of apartment nine pants. I also own an apartment nine suit, but I got them all off the sale rack in my size, and didn't pay for more than more than a hundred dollars for 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 five uh, different ways that I can wear this suit. You okay. know what I mean? Like that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Like, I the designer name is not important. It's it's all right. a sham. Like it's a sham. In my opinion, like, I, and you know, but my other thing with that is, is that if you like something because it has a name on it, then by all means buy it. It's, yeah. it's a free economy. Do what you want. Mm-hmm. But for the people, for those of us who don't like, cause I mean, don't get me wrong. I have a hundred dollar pair of jeans that I paid a hundred dollars for, you know, and they are the most comfortable jeans I've ever been in. Lisa. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Oh, my, that's oh. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There is actually a. Uh, not a happy medium, but sometimes you do get what you pay for. That's true. That I remember true. one of the most expensive pairs of shoes I ever bought, and I put them on. It was like, oh my god, I feel so good, so comfortable. I bought a new versus okay. you know a ballet flat from. Pay less cutting into your toes and ankles, you know? True, true. So, yeah. Can I tell you the first designer shoe I really bought? Please. It was a Sperry, which, uh-huh. it, which is fancy for me. Like, uh-huh. that, that's fancy for me. You know, it's still popular today. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I went hiking in them. <laughs> <laughs> you were supposed to go boating. I know, I know, yeah. but I decided to go into the woods instead, and uh-huh. it rained. It, well, it rained, uh-huh. um, and Ohio has a lot of mud, so mm-hmm. um, they're oh, yeah. Don't tell me they got ruined. They did, you know. Aww. But you know, I'll still wear them. They'll just be slightly off blue instead of blue. It's fine. Right. You okay. know. But, yeah. you know, but that's what I mean. Like, I d- and it was the first pair of shoes that I ever bought that actually, when I put my foot in them, that I felt my the arch of my foot actually connect with something. Yeah, you were like... Oh. Yeah, I was like, oh, wow, that's what, that's what, you know, support that's feels why. like. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I'll probably buy another pair eventually, you know, but... Okay, that's cute. That's the last brand I would probably guess for you. Really? Yeah, that's yeah. adorable. I I like them. Yeah, I now, <laughs> I took the I took the shoelaces out that they come with the leather ones, uh-huh. and I made toys for my cat. Um, but, uh, I uh, and I put white shoelaces in them, but they still look nice, you know. 
I'm sure they do. But yeah, I like my Sperry's. They're they're amazing. But <laughs> you know, if if but that's the thing like that they that is where the value is is because they have the support you know what i mean well yeah or you know what i mean or and it's and they're well made right it's not gonna right so versus you know a pair of shoes from walmart you know might last you you know six months you know like so yeah i'm hard on my shoes see i am too yeah i have a pair of tennis shoes that i've had for like three years though and they're still very nice Really? Yeah, they're Skechers. My sister just bought a pair of Skechers I that like has Skechers. flowers on them. They're cute. I love how we're talking about materialism. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Especially since it's the downfall of humanity. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, because, okay, so at its root, materialism comes back to the traits of goods and services. Um, Mm -hmm. at some point we just replaced that with money. I mean, people don't realize that, you know, before money, people had to do something to get something. Or they traded. Or they traded what they had for something else. Right. Right. So, you know, but I mean, a lot of people were craftsmen, you know, families would be, you know, wheel people and they would make wagon wheels or they would make, you know shovels as blacksmiths i mean the or you o- could be a shoemaker or a shoemaker oh a cobbler. a cobbler a cobbler yeah a cobbler i mean blacksmiths mm-hmm. i mean that's such a dead art now i mean now people yeah. do it more for you know fun than really? oh yeah there are amateur blacksmiths have you ever well of course you haven't because you don't watch tv um I'm I'm getting there. There's uh there's this show is called there, Forged. Is there a reality? There is. So there is. It. It's called Forged in Fire, and they oh make and they make blades that cut things. But I mean, like, well, they, that's an art. The, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they they're art. blade makers and weapons makers. Actually, I think is the way it goes. But oh, yeah. Yeah, that's well, that's. I mean. I mean, it's amazing. That's totally respectable. You know what I mean? I mean, going yeah. back to cooking. Right. A knife is very important. This is very true. You have to have something to cut with. I have a global chef's knife that I use that I use for everything. And it retains its edge. And I love it. I don't cook. Well, next time you're down here, I'll cook for you. That's not true. I made bacon and eggs and hash browns the other day. That's good. In my electric skillet. I made clam chowder for my sister and brother-in-law when I was up there. Oh, I wish I could eat clam chowder. That oh, sounds so amazing. Good. Well, I made it. I made it for her with like everything was a tiny dice, so that she could swallow it nicely. Okay. So you you could have eaten it. Well, I'm allergic to clam, so I can't. Oh, yeah. yeah. You could not. But I would love to. Oh my God, I miss New England. Number two. I miss clam uh, chowder. Allergy. Yeah, I'm. After nuts. Wait, you? No, oh. uh, food allergies. Nuts, I believe, is number one. Seafood, yep. shellfish, well, number two. Do you know? Don't know what number three is. Do you know how people become allergic to shellfish? Um, I have some thoughts on that because I did go into anaphylactic shock once because of some seafood. But mm-hmm. go ahead, I want to hear what you say. So there's an oil um, that uh, exists or that sits between the muscle and the shell of the shellfish, okay? Um, 
and your body doesn't process it as quickly as it does other things. So as the shellfish oil builds in your system after eating large amounts of shellfish in a small amount of time, your body starts to go into anaphylactic shock because there's too much of it and it can't break it down. Okay, and I had heard the same theory, mm-hmm. only instead of the oil, uh, histamines. No, I'm pretty sure it's shellfish oil because I'm allergic to shellfish oil. Okay. But you can build up like a, like you've got almost like a limit in your body. Right, and but yeah. the thing is, is that once you pass that once you pass that limit, it's it stays deadly. it stays with you. Yeah, right, it's deadly. Right. Your body will 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 view it as something that is completely toxic to it. Yes. Even yes. in small amounts. Yes. You know, mine. It was weird though, because like when I developed my shellfish allergy, I was 22, and it. I woke up the next morning and my face was uh, three times the size that it normally is, and my throat was closing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. that that's anaphylactic shock. Yeah. So. I went to the I went to the emergency room. I, I went to the I got ER. a I got an epi shot. Yeah. Yeah. Benadryl. Yeah. I literally thought on the way to the hospital because like. I remember my vision closing like right. a, an aperture lens, you know. Yep. And I thought, this is it, death by fish. That's <laughs> death by fish. That's right. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's interesting. Nothing to mess with. Now I've had some shrimp bef- since then, like you know, like a piece. Why would you do that? Well, because you know, I you gotta test your limits, Lisa. Mm, gotta test your no, limits. No, because yeah. um. You know, like the second time can be uh, more powerful. But the second, but nothing happened when I ate the one shrimp. Mm, Okay. You know what I mean? So. Don't go for a third strike there. Well, my it's funny. My aunt, um, she tells me that um, we'll go to Red Lobster one day and I can eat whatever I want, and she'll bring the EpiPen. Um, That's cute. And if I start to go into anaphylactic shock, she'll just jab it into my heart. Yeah. 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 I was like, my leg will be fine. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? We don't we have don't to, go to go all, all out. Right. But yeah. 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 I thought it was a very, a very nice gesture. But yeah, I miss shellfish, Lisa. Like lobster, crab. Oh, I'll bet. I love Shrimp, it. clams. It's my favorite. Like, oh. Not to self, I won't be cooking you that. Yeah. I can't do any, any type of crustacean. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, does that mean I can't eat a turtle? Not that I would. Well, not that I would. Not allowed. But it could I? I don't think I, a sea turtle. I don't think I could. I don't think I could. It has a shell. I think you could. Think I could? I don't know. I, I know a lot of people vomit when they eat turtles in like sea. How do you know that? Well, movies. I'm basically basing that off of movies. Oh my god, yeah. I've never heard that, and I thought I'd heard everything. Um, I don't think it would technically be a shellfish. Because it's, it's not, because it's more an like a. I'm pretty sure they're warm-blooded. They breathe oxygen. Mm. It's like a dolphin. Mm. Yeah. It's a mammal. Yeah. They're definitely mammals. A dolphin is a mammal. It's not a fish. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Whale. Turtles are mammal, too. is it? No, it is. I'm pretty sure. Sometimes I feel so ignorant. Maybe it's a reptile. <laughs> I don't think so. Whatever. 
Google. Google, listeners. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. All right, so I won't be making you bully base when you're here. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I do appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, no, I do like food. Um, okay, so can I tell you what I really like about food? <clears throat> yeah. It's connection with spirit. Spirits. Exactly. Like, okay, so in Irish, Celtic, early British, and um, Scottish folklore, you leave um, food out for the elementals. Okay. You see what I mean? And you, um, in the Mexican culture, Cinco de Mayo, you create death cakes for your ancestors. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Buddhists leave... Go ahead. Well, leave food uh, for ancestors. It's a very common practice um, yeah. throughout human um, history. Uh, yeah. Even the Egyptian pharaohs were buried with food that they could eat in the afterlife. Yeah, what kind of food? Um, like dates. Oh. Uh, I mean, they bread. had... Bread. Um, I mean, they had cats mummified and dogs and alligators and birds. I mean, there was one pyramid they opened and it just had thousands and thousands of bird mummies in it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a, maybe it was a cave. You know, birds were sacred to um, the ancient Egyptians. Um, I They're sacred to me. I love them. They, uh, the, the swan for example, was not only held sacred in Egypt, but in also almost every other culture on the planet as a harbinger of death. Really? Like, yeah, the swan, and there's a reason for that, because... Swans the, are savage. They are. Well, they are. That's true. They are. But the constellation Cygnus is um, where Sirius sits, and... Um, most creation stories say that they came, or that when we die, we go into the west, which is where Cygnus is, and we pass through there, and that's how we get to heaven. Um, and it's interesting, because the Dogon people um, built a cave, or like uh, excavated. Who are the Dodons? The go- or it's uh, the Dogon. Um, oh, Dogon. They were um, somewhere around Turkey. Um, it is, uh, one, their temple is one of the oldest temples, um, that's ever been found. Um, it, uh, and you can Google this for more information. Uh, but they had, um, a cave, uh, like a dark cave that they went down into. Okay. It's always a cave. Always a cave. And in pitch dark, there are little flashes of light that come through the stone on certain days. When Cygnus is um, high, is level with the cave, okay? The reason for this is that um, Sirius, the star in Cygnus, um, is a, or one of the stars in Cygnus is a pulsar, and every once in a while, its uh, pulsating side faces us, and those little beeps of light are the radiation that's penetrating through the rock. And when scientists discovered this, they nicknamed them Cygnets. 
So the Dogon would go down there and they thought they were communicating with their gods, you know what I mean? And they would take food down there, you know, cook, you know, lavish meals and take it in there as offering. It's just very neat how food plays this really cool role in the spiritual yeah. development of people. Yeah. You know, sorry, Living I tangent and dead. I call it. Living and dead, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And even the divine, you know. It's, oh, so much. It's just the divine. I mean, ambrosia from the Greek pantheon that turned you into a god. Well, if you were a demigod. I may have gotten that from Hercules, The Legendary Journeys with Kevin Sorbo, oh, ladies and gentlemen, so that may not be true. <laughs> but I do know that there was the food of the gods. Ambrosia. Ambrosia, you know, yeah. you know, divine, the divine wine of um, the Jade Dionysus. Emperor. Dionysus? Dionysus, the Jade Emperor in China, um, who uh, was like their chief supreme deity and, you know, drinking the elixir of the divine. Like, it's always... It's always food related or, or like wine related or water related because that's how we relate to one another, that communal food, you know, gathering yeah. of the community, the family and sharing a, a time and, and sustenance. Yeah. Jesus breaking bread with his disciples is another example, you know, of... Bread was the first thing I learned how to make on my own. When I moved out into my first apartment, my mother gave me a cookbook, and it was such a fabulous cookbook, Easy Basics by Sunset. Have you ever heard of Sunset Magazine? I don't even know if it's still I have not. in existence. It was a West Coast kind of uh, fabulous magazine, but um, I thought, okay, I'm going to make bread, you know? So I learned how to make bread, and then from there, it progressed onto different things, and yeah. Now, I've made bread in a bread maker. But, I mean, I've, like, put, uh -huh. put all the it ingredients works. together, kneaded the dough, put it in there, yeah. let it rise, and then bake yeah. it. Yeah, like, bread making is a very meditative experience, I guess. Yes, Is the best is. way that I would that I would place it. Like, oh, yeah, people get obsessed yeah, with bread making. Yeah, like, because, I mean, think about it. It was probably the first thing that we ever made. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's interesting that it was the first thing that you ever made on your own. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. You were like a pioneer out in the wilderness, <laughs> gathering. Yeah, I didn't have a sourdough starter. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, see, that makes me sad now because I buy my bread at the grocery store. That's okay. But that's all right. Yeah. I don't really have time to make bread. Well. These days. I could walk you through that. I mean, I know. I mean, I can do it. I just don't really have the time to do it. <laughs> Especially after I've deleted three recordings. I can't believe oh. Yeah. Don't beat yourself so, up about that. I'm not going to, but, you know, for anybody Don't need who, yourself about that. I'm, I'm, yeah. For anybody who's listening, we didn't know that deleting all of the archives... <laughs> would delete the actual podcasts so yeah so we begin Oops, again we begin again you know and it's a learning curve it's a process we're okay yeah you know it's great uh, you know what this is all for fun and it's all good that's right that's right yeah.
I love it. All right, well, any last thoughts? You know, I'm going to start paying more attention to food, I feel like. Aw, I'm touched. You know, I feel like it's a, it's an experience. See, I feel like I'm so American in this because it's an experience that I take for granted. Like, I feel like fast, right. uh, like fast food has ruined me in a way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's where I'm going to go with it. Okay. We'll check back on that. I will. I will. Well, thank you for listening. We'll thank have, you for listening. We'll have another episode to you soon. Good night. I'm Lisa. I'm James. We'll see ya. Thank you for listening to Living Deeply. Hope to see you next time.